0: Well, um, oh, well, I don't know who else is feeling Christmassy. I was, um, we've had a great weekend. My siblings have all been up, and we spend the entire day binge-watching Christmas movies. We watched The Nativity, we watched Home Alone, we watched Miracle on 34th Street, I've eaten more easy peelers than I can count, and uh, Christmas is definitely coming. Um, but as we get towards the end of one year, and um, about to start another one, I wonder what your reflections would be. We just heard it's a good time to reflect, isn't it, over the the year we've just had. Has it been a good year? Has it been better than average? Or has it been worse than average? Um, I was just reminded that this time three years ago... I don't know whether you remember this, there was kind of a collective sigh of relief breathed that 2016 was over. Um, I started noticing adverts like this. I took these pictures on the tube. Um, Everybody was just... 2016 was sort of universally acknowledged to be a bad year, and I think it was confusion about the Brexit vote and Donald Trump and everybody's favourite celebrities were dying all over. Prince died and George Michael died on Christmas Day, and it just seemed like 2016 was a bad year. And there was sort of hope. Well, you know, uh, a warm Southern comfort... Welcome to 2017. Hopefully, 2017 was going to bring a better year than 2016. Well, I wonder whether you remember that. Did it was 2016? You know, did, was 2017 better? 2018? How's 2019 been compared to the years before? And will 2020 be better than 2019? Um, I've got to admit this, this is kind of one of my favourite questions, uh, and I find myself. Getting into deeper, meaningful conversations about it all the time, and reading books, trying to work out are things getting better or worse, or to pick up on some of the language that was in the two readings that we had, are things getting brighter or darker? Um, and I think light and dark is kind of a good metaphor, isn't it, for how things are going? Uh, we talk about the dark ages. You wouldn't want to live in the dark ages when there were no. Democracy, no loo paper, it was just dark and awful, and then after the Dark Ages came the Enlightenment, when obviously thanks to science and technology and medicine and industry, a whole load of things got better. Um, So out of the darkness and into the light. And it's a good question is isn't it? Are things getting better or worse? Well... As we think about this question, I'd just like to pick up on one sentence which is out of our reading. All of our Christmas services have been from John chapter 1 this Christmas. And I love this sentence here, Uh, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I love this sentence for two reasons. First reason is that it admits the reality of the darkness. It admits that there is such a thing as darkness, and I think that, you know, when you're thinking about the question of is the world getting better or worse, it seems to me that some people want to downplay or maybe even ignore altogether or try and deny the existence of any kind of darkness. Um, One book I've been reading, you might have come across book Factfulness. Here are some um, uh, graphs from, this is a brilliant book, Um, the subtitle is Why Things Are Better Than You Think and loads of uh, information about the way the world is improving. Here's a load of bad stuff. But they're all going down, see, over time. Slavery and death and hunger and plane crash deaths and expensive solar panels around the world. Like, all of these things are improving because they're going down. And then the next slide shows a load of good stuff all going up, like democracy and schooling and science and literacy. And my favourite one on the bottom right, guitars per capita, ladies and gentlemen. It's going I think it might be Richard Bell single-handedly contributing. <laughs> I don't know how many guitars he's got back here. But that is going up. Um... Well, all of which is awesome, isn't it? But I think, I'm not sure it quite does justice so the whole picture, the fact that it's only, I think, one side of the coin. There is a darkness in the world. And I appreciated the kind of the honesty of another writer whose books you might have been reading recently. These are all over the shelves. Um, uh, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, he's written, you can see what he's done. I he's, mean, he's, he's looking at trends. Where's the world come from? Where's it going? Look, a of history of humankind, a history of tomorrow. Where are we going in the 21st century? And he was asked, he's a good person to, to know about trends, And he was asked, well, are you an optimist or a pessimist? And his answer was, I think it was a little bit of a, you know, chickening out of giving a proper answer. But he said, well, things have got way better, but they could get way worse. But his reason um, for his answer was that he said, quote, one of the most powerful forces in human history is human stupidity. I guess he meant it flippantly, but I think actually that's quite profound that he recognises, when it comes to the question of whether things are going well or not, that it's actually human beings themselves who carry within themselves the propensity to make things worse, Uh, the stupidity of humanity, or to give it its technical term, uh, original sin. That's something which is saying, well, the darkness, if there's a darkness, it's not so much that it's out there, it's in here. And I'm not sure whether a lot of people agree with this. You might have spotted this BBC poll that came up um, just a couple of weeks ago online. And the question was, well, do you believe in the essential goodness of most people? And you might say that, Like some other national polls recently, well, it wasn't a very well-worded question and some of the answers weren't quite given enough room for a nuanced opinion, um, but uh, I decided to answer slightly provocatively, no. Um, Of course I believe in the goodness of people and of course I believe in the essential dignity and worth and uh, and value of every human being who is precious, who's been made in the image of God and therefore is valuable and precious in his sight. Of course, as Christians, we want to say that. But I think we also want to accept if we look out at the world and read our news and also look within each one of us, we also believe in the essential sinfulness of people. And so the first reason why I love this sentence is that it admits, actually, the reality of the darkness in the world. There is a darkness, but the second reason is that it also says that the darkness isn't going to win. It promises the unquestionable triumph of light over darkness. Darkness will dominate. And light always overcomes against darkness. Darkness doesn't overcome light. You light a candle in a dark room and the light overcomes the darkness. But it doesn't happen the other way around. And what this is saying is that Christmas, the first Christmas, was the real enlightenment. Um, Isaiah was a prophet who lived several hundred years BC, several hundred years before Christmas, and he could see Christmas coming. And he said, the people walking in darkness will see a great light on the people living in the land of deep darkness. A light is going to dawn, and that light will be a person, a son, a child, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty Father, the government whatever the government's up to at the moment, will one day be on his shoulders. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, shines in the darkness. What makes Jesus the light? In what way is Jesus the light? How does... In, in this chapter, it says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Well, and, the, and that means the true light that enlightens everybody, that illuminates everybody. Well, how does Jesus Christ illuminate and enlighten our dark world? Well, I think that's a many-layered question, but two of the layers which this reading picked up on were firstly, he, Jesus Christ, brings the light of knowledge. And we talk about if we lack knowledge, if we're confused about something, or if we're ignorant of something, then we talk about being in the dark. Um, but when we come to know something, well then, you know, we've been enlightened. And the light bulb, we, got, we have that light bulb moment. We think of that word, you know, it's the eureka moment. And actually that, that word was um, the eureka moment. You think of um, Archimedes in his bath when he got in the bath and the water went up. And he, he suddenly got the knowledge about the displacement of water. And he said, eureka. And I love that because that's the Greek word, which is the same word that happens later in John chapter 1. It means, I have found. And Andrew, when he met Jesus, he said, Eureka, to his brother Simon. I have found the Messiah. Because Jesus Christ is the one who illuminates, who gives the knowledge of God. You know, we're all here in the dark. Is God real? Does he exist? Is he good? What's he like? Jesus Christ at Christmas comes along and says, I am he you want to know what God is like, you're looking at him. Jesus Christ is the revelation of God, and he helps us to know God, and he helps us to see God, and he shows us what God is like. As John says, nobody has seen God, but Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of the Father, has made him known. What an amazing thing to know God, and therefore encountering Jesus is illuminating because he, it's like the lights go on in our knowledge of God. And many times I've heard people describe becoming a Christian that way it was like I couldn't see and now I can see the lights have gone on and some people that's like a, a kind of a moment a light bulb eureka moment other people I guess it's a period of time one friend of mine described the lights have gone on but it's sort of couldn't pinpoint exactly when that was it's more like they've been on a dim and, dimmer switch and over time I don't know when it exactly happened but all I know is I can see now So how does he enlighten us? Well, he gives us the knowledge of God, but more than that, secondly, he brings not only the light of knowledge, he brings the light of life. And John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. And it's one thing to know that Jesus is God in human form up there. Apparently, I discovered recently to my surprise, 21% of this country, that's what they believe. When asked the question, who is Jesus? They answer 21% of the country, he's God in human form. It's one thing to know that, but it's another thing altogether to experience the life that Jesus Christ brings. But after all, that is the reason. That's the purpose of Christmas. That's the reason why Jesus came. He said, I've come that you might have life, and life in all of its fullness. And so Jesus Christ brings light, because into the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus radiates the incandescent brilliance of the light of life. That's why John actually says, he wrote this gospel. Remember Paul last week in his talk? So it's amazing that John has written this at all. You know, he was a kind of un- uneducated and insignificant nobody who just happened to pen this most brilliant and profound piece of literature which has ever uh, been put to print. Well, he tells us why he wrote it that when you get to the end of John's gospel, he says, Oh, Jesus did many things, but I've written these things so that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ and by believing have life in His name. He wants you to experience that light as well. So are things getting better or worse? Well, the light of the life of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and I believe, is on an upward trajectory. That's the trajectory of the Bible. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation goes from dark to light. In the beginning, it says, "Was darkness was over the surface of the deep. But in the end, John's vision of heaven in Revelation says that there'll no longer be any need for the sun or the moon to shine upon it because the glory of the Lord gives all the light it needs. And it might be tough to believe that in our dark world, But actually, around the world, every single day, that is happening. 800 fewer atheists every day, apparently, in our world. And 83,000 are being added to the church. An entire Twickenham Stadium full, joining the church every single day, who have been illuminated by the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the life that he brings. So is it getting brighter? Well, there is a light who shines in the darkness... And the darkness has not overcome it. And it's my prayer that next year, for all of us, we'd be brighter because of it. Well, I wonder whether you have experienced that light. I wonder whether you know that for yourselves. Whether you feel that actually you are walking to some degree in darkness. And the idea of having the light of the knowledge of Jesus Christ come and illuminate 2020 for you is an attractive prospect. Well, I'm going to say a prayer now. Why don't all of us just stand? And I'm going to pray. And if you would like to, why don't you echo this in your heart? Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the message of Christmas, that into our dark world the light has shone. And we thank you that John here in this passage is realistic about the darkness which is in our world, but more than that is in each one of our hearts. And we confess the way that we have been in the dark in our own various ways but we pray that the light of Jesus Christ would shine upon us that we would experience the knowledge of God and that we would experience life in his name come and bring light we pray amen